You are listening to The Lifecast, a podcast where we discuss topics around faith, family, and fun. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to The Lifecast. I'm your host, Mark, and we are at episode 7. And today we're going to be looking at a familiar story, at least familiar for me. I don't know about you. I mean, I grew up a preacher's kid, so um, these stories are all familiar to me to some degree. But today we're going to be looking at the story of the flood and Noah's Noah's Ark. Maybe, uh, maybe you've heard this one before. But, um, yeah, it's super nice out today. Uh, the weather has finally, I think, made a, made a break for the summer. And um, I'm really enjoying that. So hopefully uh, this makes sense. And we will jump in to this story. And so when I was a little kid, I had a Noah's Ark bathtub playset. And so it had Noah and his family. It had all the little animals two by two. And I remember being uh, in the tub playing with this, with this boat and these animals. And I remember growing up, and these would be some of the first stories that you would hear as a little kid. And I would, um, we would read these Bible story books, and there would be just Noah and the animals and smiles on their faces and uh, as they survived the destruction of the rest of the world. And I remember growing up and reading these stories again with fresh eyes as an adult and thinking to myself, this is the most devastating story maybe in all of the Bible. And yet it was funny how because there was animals, because there was a boat, we had um, kind of just, I don't want to say marketed it, but we just, it was just so common, so easy to use in kids' ministries as a, as a child. And, and coming to it later on in life, we just really kind of blown away <laughs> that we do that to our children. And, um, and, I, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else. But I just remember having that thought. And then, um, you know, and so I don't know if you know the story. The, the story is, three chapters long and so I'm not going to read it verse by verse because it would just take it would just take forever but the story goes like this God sees the wickedness on the earth this is several generations after Cain kills his brother and he's upset with this wickedness and so he decides he's going to have to just destroy it all animals plants um, humans and so he, he chooses to do this. But he sees this man named Noah and Noah's family. And Noah is, lives um, a, what, the, what the Bible calls a righteous life, which we're going to get into. And, and because Noah lives this righteous life, God shows Noah favor and tells him his plans and tells him a way to get out of it. And gives him instructions to build this boat and then to collect animals. And so that... Um, God can save humanity and uh, creation from the wickedness of human beings. And so God does this. Noah builds this ark. God shuts the door. The flood waters come. Noah and his family are in the, in the waters for 40 days and nights. 
Then the boat finds dry land. Eventually, as the waters recede, Noah offers a sacrifice to God, thanking him for saving them. God makes a covenant with Noah and, and gives him a rainbow. And then the story ends with this odd moment where Noah gets drunk. And as a kid, we, we always thought, well, see, this doesn't... It still shows that human beings are sinful in nature and broken. And even when God saves them, they're still jacked up. Now, I don't know if that's what my Bible school teachers were trying to convey, but as a child and as a young adult, that's kind of what I took away from the story. Maybe that's your experience. Maybe it's just an odd kind of story. Or maybe you come to it from another angle. Maybe you come from it with the idea of like, this is just just bizarre like just how could this even happen how could one man build a an, a boat big enough for all the animals in the world how did the animals get into the boat and so maybe you come from it with a very skeptic point of view and then and yet at the same time there there are people even like where i live here right down the highway there is a a, a ministry that has built a life-size ark that you can take a tour of Essentially saying, see, this proves that this could have happened. And, and so I don't know where you come at this story from. Um, we all have different perspectives and views and, and whatnot. But there's some interesting things going on here for me. As I began to grow and study and think about these things in a different, in a different way, this story is actually very interesting. And it points to a God that is unlike all of the other gods um, in the time that this, this story would have had been recorded. Now, what's interesting about the flood narrative is that every culture, just Google this, every culture, every ancient culture from every continent, region, tribe, has some sort of flood narrative in their background. And so that, that says kind of two things to me. One, it says there's a possibility that this did happen. But two, it reveals a very deep primal anxiety that at any moment that water could be unleashed and it could destroy everything. Now, what's interesting about this is that in the ancient mind, water is mysterious. Oceans, rivers, those things are mysterious. And for a lot of ancient thought, the water actually represents something. It represents chaos. Even think about um, in, in, the, in the creation story that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, the waters representing chaos, and that God in this creation story in Genesis chapter 1, he begins to create order out of the chaos. And so for the ancient mind, water represents chaos, especially oceans, big bodies of water, because you just can't control it. It controls, it does what it wants. And so there was this deep-rooted anxiety in the hearts and minds of these people. Now, What's interesting about the Bible is that it, it emerges within a culture 
that were all that was already telling very similar stories. So for the ancient Mesopotamians, for the ancient ancient Sumerians, they also had, and this is the place where the the Jewish people began to um, to take root and to grow from in, in the the region of the Near East. They had their own flood narratives, but what's interesting about their flood narratives versus the offering that is made here by the Jews is that in their stories, and you can find this, one is called the Epic of Gilgamesh and um, the Sumerian epic, uh, the Sumerian flood story, the name of, I can't pronounce, I'm not going to try. But what's interesting about these narratives is that the reason that there is a flood and the details are very similar, like builds an ark, animals, offer sacrifices at at the end of the journey. What's interesting about these stories is that the reason that there is a flood is because the gods are annoyed with the humans. And, And not so there's not this sense of justice going on. It's not this sense of wickedness or whatever. It's that they're annoyed. Like these humans, they're just getting on our nerves and let's get rid of them because I can't get any sleep around here. In the ancient world, a lot of the gods were very temperamental. And so in the Sumerian story, the hero hears about this. And so therefore he decides he's going to build a boat so that he can escape um, this judgment or this, um, this punishment. In the Gilgamesh epic, uh, Gilgamesh is warned by another god who has pity on the human beings. And, um, and so he's able to uh, survive this flood um, because of this tip that he gets from one of the gods. But the, the, but the Genesis Noah story, it stands apart from these other similar stories because of the reason that God chooses to bring a flood. There, there, in, in the ancient mind, there is no question whether a flood happened. The real question is why? And so in verse 5 of chapter 6, it says this, Genesis 6. It says that the Lord saw how great the wickedness of human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only on evil all the time and that the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. No, those are very important details there. And so the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race that I have created and with them the animals and the birds and the creatures that move along the ground for I regret that I have made them. And so in the Genesis story, the reason why there is a flood is because the inclinations of the heart of man are bent towards evil all the time. And so apparently, at least within this story, like our hearts can get corrupt. Our hearts can, can bend towards evil. And it just gets bad. And this, this hurts God in the story. That he is, his heart is deeply troubled. Now, we, this makes sense because Jesus reminds us that God is like a father. And, and so there's nothing worse um, as a parent 
than when your children are at odds with one another. My, my, my children right now, my, my son is 13 and my daughter is 8, and they are at odds with one another all the time. And there are these moments where they fight and where it gets really ugly, and it breaks, it breaks my heart. It breaks Amber's heart. And, and so this is what God is struggling with. And at the same time, there is this sense that he, he's, tried to, he's tried to break through to them, that apparent, but apparently they're not paying attention. Even when he reasons with Cain, Cain still chooses to do the wrong thing. And so their hearts are bent towards evil. But it then says in verse 8, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It goes on and says that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and that he walked faithfully with God. And so you have these these two positions. You have most of the majority of mankind bent towards evil. In verse in verse thirteen, it says that their hearts were filled with violence. But then you have this Noah, who's righteous, blameless and walks faithfully with God. Now, what does it mean to be righteous? At the end of the day, to be righteous simply means to live in right relationship with God. And so here you have this Noah who is going the opposite direction of the rest of his culture, who is righteous, who's blameless, who apparently isn't violent, who apparently... um, in some senses, walk, is trying to walk faithfully with God. And God sees this because God sees. He's watching. He's noticing. He's paying attention. And, and not in the sense like like a out to get you kind of thing, but he, he hears and he sees the oppressed, the hurt, the vulnerable. And his heart is towards those. And so he sees this Noah. And so he gives Noah these, these instructions on how to save humanity and creation. And, and so that's essentially sort of the rest of the story. Noah builds this ark. Um, the flood waters finally come. God shuts the door. And Noah and his family survive. After this is all finished, after God... Um, causes the waters to recede. Noah and his family are given the task to essentially rebuild humanity. They're given sort of the same calling that Adam and Eve were given, to be fruitful, to multiply, and to fill the earth. And after this um, command is made, then a covenant is offered. And a covenant in the ancient world is the deepest relational contract that one can make with another. And here in this story, God makes a covenant with humanity. He, he says that never again will he um, destroy the earth in this way. Never again will he um, do such a thing. And the sign of the covenant, the sign of the covenant is a rainbow. Now what's interesting about this detail is that in the actual translation, this idea that God is going to hang his rainbow in the sky is this 
is really this understanding that God is hanging his bow in the sky, like bow and arrow type of bow, because that was the main, that was the AR-15 of its day. And so God hangs his bow in the sky as a sign to humanity that never again will this kind of thing happen. You don't have to live with this deep-rooted anxiety. You don't have to live with this fear that chaos is going to be unleashed. I have hung my bow in the sky, and that is never going to happen again. And so there's this deep relationship that is uh, created between God and man in this moment. And yet the story ends with this odd exchange or this odd scene where Noah gets drunk. And as a kid, we always like, see, regardless, you're still jacked up. But in in hind in hind not only say in hindsight but with more experience in my life, as I think about what Noah is dealing with as he gets drunk, is Noah has been through quite the ordeal in this story, and I think this is one of those moments where the humanity of these characters is revealed, because we all struggle when we go through hard things. And what Noah is dealing with here, in my opinion, is the, the baggage that comes along with this. Noah is drunk because he's dealing with survivor's remorse. He's dealing with post-traumatic stress. He's dealing with the questions of why me? Why us? What about our families? What about our friends? What about our neighbors? And so... This story raises a number of questions for us. And for me, a couple of things that jump out. One, it reveals the nature of God and His character. And that He is loving and yet just. And that His justice is always bent towards our good. Um, like He doesn't kill them because He's annoyed with them. A flood is sent because of... Um, the injustice of the world and the violence and the brokenness of uh, humanity. And so this God is different. This God is different than the gods of the Mesopotamians. This is God is different than the gods of the Canaanites. This God is different than the gods of the Egyptians and the Sumerians. This God stands apart from them. Also, the story reveals how broken humanity can get, can be. And so God... Um, Judging them and taking their lives is actually, in some sense, a sign of mercy. Because, you know, if it would just continue, um, who knows where we would be. And, and you know this. You see this on, on the news. Um, our, our hearts can be bent towards evil and violence. We live in a very crazy, chaotic world, which leads kind of to the next thought. This story really raises the question um, that there's this deep anxiety that chaos at any moment is ready to be unleashed. Like, have you ever felt like chaos is, is at the cusp of just being unleashed in this world? Like, you, we see it all the time, don't we? 
we see this chaos and conflict and violence, school shootings and wars. And yet, what this story and the way that this story can bring hope is that for the righteous, for those that are leaning towards grace and love and forgiveness, for those who are pursuing a relationship with God, for those who are seeking a, a better way to be in this world, that God sees that. And that when we live that kind of way, we can receive God's favor, His grace, His, His, His um, protection. And so... For all of us, when we live in this world that seems sometimes like it's getting ready just to burst out of control, um, there's hope. And the Christian story is that we follow a God, that ultimate reality, whatever you want to call it, is on our side, and that he makes a way, and that he makes a promise. And ultimately that promise is found and this Jesus who shows us what this God is like. And so regardless of the chaos, regardless of the conflict, regardless um, of all the stuff that's going on in our world, and I know it's a lot, and I know that we carry a lot, and I know you're probably going through a lot, there is hope for those in the midst of it. There is hope for us in the midst of it. And so that is the story of the flood. I think that we're going to do two more in this series. Next week we're going to talk about the Tower of Babel. And then I'm going to do like kind of a full recap of all of these stories. Um, because I think all of these stories are actually raising a bigger question um, that the rest of the Bible um, begins to answer. And so I uh, hope that you guys have been enjoying this. And we'll catch you next week. Blessings to you guys. Bye. Thank you again for listening to the LifeCast. Um, if you really enjoy this show, I want to ask you to do a couple of things. One, a like and share on your social media so that we can kind of get the word out there. And also go to iTunes or SoundCloud or even on Google Play now. And just leave us a rating and a review that helps um, us get established on those platforms as well. So blessings again. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye.